This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m. in Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Welcome to the Climate Action Radio Show, which can be heard on Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne and Skid Row in Sydney. My name is Vivian Langford, and salut Babette. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past and present and pay tribute to the decades-long legacy of Aboriginal fights for land rights and against the destructive mining projects that are fueling climate change. In particular, we acknowledge the Wangan and Jagalingu cultural custodians and their ongoing opposition to coal mining on their lands in central Queensland, and to the Gomorrah traditional custodians continuing opposition to coal and gas on their land in New South Wales. It is vital at this late stage in history that we all learn to care for country. It will always be Aboriginal land, and now is our time to all stand up for and protect it. show takes us to the court case of Violet Coco and Alan Glover. Remember last year in April, Violet and three others from Fireproof Australia blocked one lane of the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. It was only for 25 minutes, but police evidence in court that an ambulance with lights and sirens was blocked seemed to have swayed Magistrate Alison Hawkins, who gave Violet a 15-month custodial sentence. Just before Christmas, I reported on 3CR the massive demonstration outside the Downing Street Centre, which saw Violet released from Silverwater Prison on bail. She'd served 14 days in prison. Today completes the story as she walks free. The strong union presence, led by MUA, and people from many civil society groups outside showed how horrified we all are that the right to non-violent protest has been severely restricted in New South Wales, and they seem to be targeting climate protests. Violet Coco was the first person given jail time under the draconian new anti-protest laws, and now she's free. We will hear also from Alan Glover, a 61-year-old volunteer with the Rural Fire Service. His motivation to block the Harbour Tunnel was direct experience of the climate-changed bushfires, which are becoming now increasingly hard to fight. His group, Fireproof Australia, is demanding a sovereign fleet of those helicopters that bomb the fire with water. We usually lend them to other countries in our season when we don't usually have fires, but now we need a fleet that is always ready to fight those fires. The irony of the first magistrate putting him on a community service bond was not lost on us, as he said that all he wanted was to get back to service with his brigade. He'd been stood down after the first court case. I thought it was interesting that the police just withdrew their claim about an ambulance being held up. Why did they not have to show evidence of this phantom ambulance in the first hearing? And how can this pass without penalty when it influenced Magistrate Hawkins back in April to send Violet to prison? 
Another thing that emerged for me out of the fog of court was the advice of a psychologist and indeed the Australian Psychological Association. They agreed that climate anxiety is a real condition and taking action is a recognised antidote. Indeed, on this Climate Action Radio Show, I can't count how many climate campaigners have offered us all sorts of action as an antidote to spare, and many of it is to disrupt the complacency of our society. Some say speak to your MP about the billions in subsidies they give to coal, oil and gas. Some say take your money or occupy the banks whose finance is fueling climate catastrophe. And some just say, just do something. It will make you feel better. As Bertolt Brecht once said, be sand, not oil, in the wheels of the world. And so I was happy to have the psychologists being taken seriously by Judge Mark Williams and in defence of these gritty people. He said violet cocoa is not a danger to the community, that the Crown did not engage really in the conscientious issues which are important in this case. He said the first magistrate was misled by the fact of the ambulance, which has now been withdrawn as not a fact by the police, and that violet has been volunteering in flood-affected areas near Lismore, which show she is already rehabilitating. Outside the court, the journalists kept asking, would they do it again and how did they feel? No one asked if the police should not face charges for creating the phantom ambulance with lights and sirens. No one asked what can be done legally to stop the $11 billion subsidies continuing to flow to coal, oil and gas companies. And you might think after this, well, look, the anti-protest laws are still in place. New South Wales Labor and Coalition both support them. Violet, Alan and the two others have had a life-changing experience and may in fact have been crushed. But the bushfires of 2019-2020 and the floods of 2022 have politicised many more people. And as Alan said, you will be hearing many more cases like this if we don't withdraw the protest laws that make them into criminals. You will hear from the rally outside the Downing Centre Court and the press conference after Violet and Alan walked free. In my opinion, the real criminals need to be in court, not those who disrupt the ever-flowing traffic of business as usual. We'll start with Bonnie and Alan from Fireproof Australia. I've got someone here from Fireproof Australia. It's outside the Downing Street Court, a bit noisy here, but just fill us in on what's been happening with the other people behind the story of Violet Coco. Hi, yeah, so I'm Bonnie Caston, I'm with Fireproof Australia and Stop Fossil Fuel Subsidies. Um, so there were four people that blocked the Harbour Bridge last April as part of our Fireproof Australia campaign. Alan Go Grover, um, Violet Coco, um, Jay and Karen Fitzgibbon and Jay went to court quite early. He had um, a lot of community service and a community correction order. Um, he was basically given the most severe penalty a judge could give him without jailing him. And um, Jay did have prior um, convictions for climate um, protest, which you know, shouldn't really affect his outcome because they shouldn't be crimes, but you know, nevertheless. Um, Karen and Alan actually only went to court last week because they pleaded not guilty and they were, um, Alan was defended by the Environmental Defenders Office. 
Um, both of them, it was their first defence, and Ellen is a firefighter and very much was campaigning for the government's inaction on implementing the Royal Commission findings and protecting the people of Australia. Like, we need a sovereign firefighting fleet and we need to smoke proof our aged care facilities, hospitals, schools and disability um, facilities. Um, so they're not, and rehome people that have lost their homes. So they're not unreasonable demands that we were making, but yeah, our government is complicit in this, they're in bed with the fossil fuel industry. So both Alan and Karen on their first offences were given um, 18 months community correction orders, which is quite intense considering they had good character and it was their first offence and they were not offered the discretion of the judge to dismiss those charges. Everyone's entitled to that. I've sat through court seeing you know, people with drunk driving offences, people with assault charges given that benefit, and yet not a climate protester. So really disgusting. And as we know, Violet was given um, 18 months, reduced to 15 months for her part in that um, action of jail time. So that's what we're appealing today. Violet's um, conviction, her jail time, and Alan's 18 month community correction order. What do you hope happens? Well, we really hope the, their charges will be dismissed with no jail time and with no charges, with no community correction order for, for Alan. That's what we're really hoping for. Um, what they did wasn't a crime. They were simply raising the alarm to people that don't know. And unfortunately, this is the only way we can get media attention. The Guardian this morning um, released information that the BBC is not going to screen David Attenborough's um, climate program showing the destruction of our world because the conservative right-wing media might not like it. Now, that is the epitome of the media, mainstream media shutting down climate messaging. And how else do we get a message out by do, than by doing really extreme things like blocking roads and gluing onto artworks? <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is community radio, so you'll be uncensored here. But, <laughs> but just talking the broader picture, where this is all about protest. I noticed the first time when Violet was in this court, there were a lot of unionists. Now there was only the MUA. What do you think about that? Do you think, you know, people are frightened off joining in solidarity with this? I don't think they're frightened off. I think in the last three months, we have had the most magnificent support from the wider human rights, um, climate, and environmental movement we really have they've organized all of this we haven't had to do anything and um, maybe I think there's a few other things going on today unfortunately this is the way the court system has gone and they're defending so many different things and the right to protest so they are very much behind this yep do you have any broader message to people who might be just sitting at home thinking oh, I don't want to get too involved it all looks a bit violent we need everyone this is for your future, it's for your children's future, and it's for your grandchildren's future. This is real, and our government is in, unfortunately, both sides of government are in bed with the fossil fuel industry, and we know that. So, unless we all get to the streets, we're not going to get action. Thank you. They're going to go again because they really want to make maximum disruption. So, my action on the bridge. Uh, drew a penalty of two years or and or $22,000 fine and as an RFS member I had to alert the RFS to that charge that was against me. Um, they didn't have to but they chose to stand me down because it was a you know a very uh, prominent action. 
So uh, that happened 11 months ago and I've not been allowed to wear the uniform, uh, be with my brigade to go to any fires or motor vehicle accidents or any of the usual emergencies that, um, that as an RFS member I would normally attend. Now that I don't have a conviction against me, I'm really, really hoping that the Rural Fire Service will allow me to become an active member again and I can rejoin my brigade and continue doing that ever more urgent work in the community because the climate emergency is here, it's real, the effects of it are being seen by everybody in the world and we're not getting enough action on it. So the best thing I can do and we can all do is to act to mitigate um, the, uh, the results of inaction on climate change. The best thing the government could do is to act on their duty of care to the people who elect them and that is to stop fossil fuel subsidies and keep the fossil fuels in the ground and try and mitigate the terrible, terrible climate change that we are experiencing now and is only going to get worse. Terribly emotional. I've, I've been a firefighter for 43 years. It's a very important part of my life and my community service and I think it's incumbent on every community member to do something and most people do. Uh, most people volunteer in some way, some can't because they're busy with families and so on and that's understood. I don't have that family, I have a wife but no children and so I have time to get out there and I'm a fit, active, intelligent bloke and I can do that. We should all do that and it really, really upset me not to be able to give that community service. I so hope the RFS will see their way clear to bringing me back. I did that action because I have been protesting in the democratic way, the legal way, for 35 years, writing letters, marching, signing and starting petitions, doing everything possible. And the climate emergency is real, it's happening now, and not enough is being done. There's a lot of talk, but not enough real action. And I was driven by that, especially after the 2019, 2020 fires that nobody has ever seen the like of on the planet. I had to do something a bit more. And I, what I chose to do was something unlawful. And I don't encourage people to do that, but I've got to warn the public that more and more of that is going to happen unless more and more action is taken on the climate emergency because people are not going to stand around and watch their planet be destroyed by stupidity. They really have to act now. The governments, the industry, they have to act. They have to listen to us. And so, no, I won't be locking off the Harbour Bridge again, but I do think that that one action that I've done has helped me to get the message out and I hope has helped people to become aware that this is not going to stop. We now have to stop. We now have to stop doing to the climate what we're doing. So please, you know, in these heat waves, drink water, but talk to your local member. There's an election coming up. Now's the time. Let them know what you want to know. They already know that climate action is really, really important to the community. So vote that way. Make sure they know and be active yourselves legally. I was surprised to um, hear that we blocked an ambulance because uh, Fireproof Australia have a quite specific policy. If there's a, a red 
and blue lights needed to get through, we will clear the way. And we were ready to do that. Uh, but as it turned out, that was a falsehood. What we in the public would call a lie, that there was an ambulance block. There was no such thing. And we knew that months ago. But I'm a member of the emergency services, so I would never do anything to impede an emergency service. I mean, that's just stupid. So, no, that was um, that was proved a falsehood, and uh, and that uh, uh, weighed heavily on the result that Violet got. And I hope that Jay and Karen, who were also in our action, uh, will also be uh, treated carefully that way. Now that that, uh, that ambulance business is proven to be a lie. I again apologise to citizens of Sydney who got held up on the road by us. But like I say, that half an hour of disruption is nothing compared to the disruption that climate change is bringing upon people. And, you know, look around, ask Violet. She's working with people who've been flooded out of their homes. Um, go down to Cabago, where I have friends, and, and ask those people who are still trying to find a home after being burnt out. The disruption that society's going to get is immense. And if you think a little blockage on the bridge is that bad that it's changed the way of life, as the Premier said, then you're kidding yourselves. Climate emergency is going to cause a lot more disruption. So, uh, as I said, I won't be doing it again, but don't expect me to be the only example. And now here is Miguel Itwali and the Icapella singers with an anthem I love called Stand Up Proud. So stand up proud, you singers all. You have the right to stand as tall as those who grow and those who tend, as those who make and those who mend. So stand up tall, you singers all. Of all the life at your command, you have the right to make or mend, to break or blights within your might. But what will you tell yourself at night? So stand up proud, you singers all. You have the right to stand as tall as those who grow and those who tend, as those who make and those who mend. So stand up tall, you singers all. With empty pockets, empty hands, within your voice your wealth abounds. The common currency of song We learn, we keep, we pass along So stand up proud, you singers all You have the right to stand as tall As those who grow and those who Each time you sing creates them anew. 
you carry them and they carry you. So stand up proud, you singers all. You have the right to stand as tall as those who grow and those who tend, as those who make and those who mend. So stand up tall, you Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up. And we're still talking about revolution. Most of all, I want to acknowledge the strength and the resilience of the communities that keep showing up for each other in spite of that repression and in spite of that violence and that constant threat of violence against the person. I want to acknowledge the strength and resilience of all the people who keep showing up and keep fighting anyway. Thanks. Thanks, Lil. All right, we're going to hand over to our first speaker for this morning. Her name is Nat. Uh, she's an activist with the Maritime Union of Australia, staunch defender of civil liberties and fighter for the right to protest. So please, everyone, welcome Nat. Thanks, Lillian. It's really great to see you all here this morning. I also acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never ceded and the struggle continues. I'm a rank and file member of the Maritime Union of Australia Sydney branch and I stand here representing the branch today. The branch secretary Paul Keating wasn't able to come but as many of you know he stood here time and time again in defence of Violet Coco and in defence of the right to protest. We know as trade unionists that this is one thing over the years we struggle, we fight and we win and it is critical with the industrial landscape that we continue to do this. Our, our ability to do this is curtailed by legislation, but that doesn't stop us coming to community protests. And we know that so many community members come to support us when we need it, which is why we're standing here with you today. I'm here in solidarity with Violet Coco and with everyone who is taking action, urgent action for climate justice. We know that now is the time. It was not yesterday. It's not 10 years ago. It should have happened then and it's not. So here we are today. As workers, we stand on the wharves and we've been there when there's been bushfire smoke, 12 times hazardous levels. And we're told time and time again by management to stand out there and work in those conditions. We have community members, friends who've lost their houses to the fires, who've lost their houses to floods. We have parents, aunties, uncles, grandparents of children who wake up every day knowing 
what their future may or may not hold. These kids are well aware of the existential crisis that faces them, and they've been taking the lead on the streets with the school strike for climate, and we've been there as trade unionists backing them all the way. We know that the action from the government is woefully inadequate. I sat there last night and watched the news with my 12-year-old, who said, again, why are they spending $360 billion on nuclear submarines and not on climate action? Why are they trying to put nuclear submarines at Port Kembla, which is already designated as a port to be a large renewables hub? The kids know. They can see the priorities of the government. It's not for education, housing, climate action, social services, Medicare. It's not for that. It's for feeding the war machine, and it doesn't have our interests in mind. We have members that work in the fossil fuel industry, maritime union members. So the focus of the union is finding good, sustainable, long-term climate jobs for them to transition into. We can't turn away from the fact that those jobs are going to go and they have to go. But the work we are doing is to create new jobs, new industries for our kids to step into and for the current workers to transition into. And it has to happen urgently. The Maritime Union has played a key role in supporting the protests here against the anti-protest laws. And the MUA played a leading role in helping Unions New South Wales stay strong on their position. The New South Wales Union movement is behind you. We strongly oppose these anti-protest laws that have seen Violet Coco facing this terrible sentence. And we will continue to fight as community members and as unionists. We will take to the streets because we have to. That is the power that we have, together, united. We have to stay organised and we have to stay together. We know that the state Labor government also supports these terrible laws. So no matter what happens at the election in a few weeks' time, we must continue to build and organise these rallies. We have to go to our workplaces, our family members, our communities, stand strong and united, and we have to fight and push back. We know federally the policy is woefully inadequate and we encourage everyone to learn exactly what this policy means and stand for. But again, thank you so much for the chance to come here today. We're at a national terminal conference today. So all the Maritime Union members are here looking at the future of our industry. What does climate mean for us? What did COVID and the pandemics that come from climate change mean for us as workers in the container terminal industry? So we will always stay with you and we're so happy to see everybody here. Solidarity to Violet, solidarity to everyone fighting these terrible laws. Stay strong, we're with you. MUA here to stay. Yeah. Next up, I would like to welcome uh, to the microphone, Dianne Coe. Dianne Coe, everybody. You and what I've just said to you is in Wiradjuri language, language from this country, original language from this country. It is not English, it is Wiradjuri. Because my sorry was never seen it. I want to tell you all a story today about a young woman named Violet. She came to the Aboriginal Ten Embassy in 2019. Wouldn't think that Violet would be here today being locked up threatened to be locked up for fighting for the land. For so many years that Aboriginal people have done fought for this land, for our rights in this country. But today, the wider Australia 
gets to feel how we feel because we have been deminimised, demoralised in our own country. Did you know that the police force comes from corruption? The convicts that come into the country, they want, they were, the ones that are good behaviour, they become the police officers. So corruption already comes there. What did they do then, poor convicts that they brought over on the ships? Exactly. That's what they brought you here to do. But no longer do you want to do what they want you to do because Australia has woken up. So today, I hope that Violet gets out. I hope that all our, all our words have been heard to you and don't fall on deaf ears. Because sooner or later, Mr Officers and Miss Officers, you might be locking your children up because they're tired of you. Oh, thanks, Lily, and thanks to all the crew for organising this again. A shout out to them. I want to start by acknowledging this is Gadigal land we're gathered on here today. Pay our collective respects. Dan, thank you so much for the contribution you made in the context you put about our right to protest, the right to be on the street, to freely assemble and to challenge bad laws, to challenge bad governments. is something First Nations peoples have known about since the invasion of two centuries ago. And on the front line of this fight for the right to protest are First Nations peoples, and let's never forget that part of the struggle. But we are about to see the New South Wales police go into the court behind there, and I hope apologise and grovel to the court for lying to the court, for lying to the people of New South Wales. A shameful lie a fiction created about uh, stopping an ambulance designed to play into a political moment, to justify bad laws and put a young woman in jail for the better part of 18 months. Shame on the New South Wales Police. And shame on the New South Wales Premier for buying into that lie and justifying it. And shame, shame on the New South Wales opposition uh, so-called opposition leader, Chris Minns, who also bought into the lie and used it as the reason to justify Labor's appalling support for these laws. And if you wanted a case study into what's so wrong with this kind of law, which is criminalising protest, we've got it here in a nice little bottle, packaged and delivered to the courts. Laws that are being put through, not for public safety or to deal with traffic, but laws that are being rammed through to make it a crime to protest against government inaction on climate. That's what the laws were designed for. And, and when they were called out by it, and they could see that, that millions of people in this state oppose those laws, they desperately searched for a justification and they created a lie to justify it. The lie about blocking an ambulance. A direct lie from the police repeated by the Premier, repeated by the so-called opposition leader and used to justify bad laws. This is a case study in why you don't criminalise protest. Because we end up seeing the courts as political tools. And in this case, a political tool not just of the Coalition and the Labor Party,
but a political tool of the fossil fuel industries. That's what's happened here. So I want to give our collective support for Violet and all of those peaceful, non-violent protesters who are putting themselves on the line for our collective future. And I want to call out the political class because we know we are facing a climate crisis and we're facing an equality crisis, a housing crisis. And millions of Australians, young people in particular, are coming out on the streets and demanding more from their governments because they can see what's happening. They can see the appalling fires across the planet. They can see heat waves and chronic drought and they worry about their future as they should. And they look at the political class now mortgaging their future, whether it's in Canberra or Macquarie Street. And their response is to reject that politics and more and more to come out on the streets and demand change. And what has been the response from the politicians, the political class? They have decided not to deal with the root cause of the problem, not to keep coal and gas in the ground and protect our future, not to build public housing and affordable housing and give everyone a home, but to put in jail those people who stand up and demand more. That's what these laws do. So today, we're here to support Violet, but I want us to make a collective commitment that until these rotten laws are put in the bin, we will be out here whenever a protester is threatened by these laws. And we'll always call out police lies, and we will demand more from politics. And I've got to tell you, there's a fair bit to protest about at the moment. Uh, I went to bed on Monday night worrying about a $200 billion nuclear submarine program and woke up with a $368 billion <laughs> submarine program, mortgaging our future, uh, in bringing us into conflict with our neighbours, fueling a regional arms race. I want to be out there protesting with all of you about that and not get arrested. And we've got appalling inaction being taken by the federal government, the so-called safeguard mechanism, which is, which is actually signed on to by Woodside and Santos and BP. The fossil fuel companies are making federal policy on climate. Of course we're in the streets protesting because parliaments are not acting. So, thanks to the organisers, thanks to all of you for coming out. Thanks to the police for coming out in great numbers like they always do on these actions, don't they? Where's the horses? Um, and we will never surrender to the lies and we will keep coming and fighting. And if you're thinking about who to vote for on this upcoming election, don't vote for a party that criminalised protests. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, David. And thanks, David, also, not just for being here today, but for being here from the very moment that those laws were introduced. David's been speaking out about, about them, along with some other uh, comrades from the Greens. And um, yeah, great to have you in our corner, David. Thanks so much. Now, uh, next up, we have the uh, Rachel Evans from Socialist Alliance and Water for Rivers and the Climate Coalition, and uh, is also running for a seat. And uh, she's literally in my partner's phone as Rachel Everywhere. So, here you go. Thanks, Lil. Always was, always will be. Always was, always will be. Always was, always will be. Hey, can the magistrates hear us? Always was, always will be. Well, my name's Rachel Evans. I'm a Socialist Alliance activist and I'm a candidate for the local seat of Heffron in the upcoming state elections. 
I acknowledge we're here on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. This land was never ceded, always was, always will be. While Violet Coco is a hero, as is Emma Dodge, Jay Labalastia, Stephen Langford, Alan Glover, John Kelly, and the 30 or so other activists currently in front of courts facing fines, onerous community service and jail time for daring to fight coal and gas companies and for a sustainable future. They are heroes. They realise we are running out of time to stop the climate catastrophe. Capitalism is destroying the planet and the only thing to stop it is people's power. And that's why it's so important that we're all here today to defend Violet and the right to protest. So big cheer to all of you and the organisers for this action. And while the major parties, the major parties introduced and are still standing by these horror anti-protest laws, we are winning against them. The campaign to get Violet out of jail gathered 230 groups signing on to a repeal the anti-protest law and free Violet Coco statement. Yeah. Yeah. 230. Yet Violet had to endure 11 days of jail in Silverwater. Shame, New South Wales government, shame. And our fight was so broad, groups included Frenzel Rom and Flinders University signing on. So hats off to us. And we know the major parties aren't to be trusted. They're passing anti-protest laws all across the country and both parties are opening up more coal and gas mines for shame. All the while trying to greenwash their policies. But there are no solutions in market solutions to capitalism's climate crisis. And let's make sure the magistrates realise our power and if they bring down a terrible ruling today, we're going to give them hell. But as the recent decisions around Alan Glover, Richard Bolt and others activists show us, we think this court case today will go in our favour because our movement is broad and we have mass support. But we do have to keep building. The student strikers did so well last Friday with 2,000 people on the streets and in torrential rain. Hats off to the high school students. And Sydney Climate Coalition is calling for another mass rally on World Environment Day around June the 5th. But we need your energy and we need your support. Get involved. Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If we don't fight, we lose. So what do we want? The right to protest. When do we want it? You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet. www.3cr.org.au But our democratic right to protest actually shouldn't be at the whim of whether or not you get a reasonable magistrate. The New South Wales police and state government want to demonise protest in this state and ensure that ineffective protests that fit within the bounds of what they find acceptable are the only ones that take place. But the only way we're going to fight for more public housing, the only way that we're going to fight for a planet that we can live on, that future generations can live on, 
because if Violet Coco is sent back to prison today, it sets an extremely dangerous precedent for every single one of us. And do you know why they are trying so hard to put people like Violet away? It's because they know how powerful protest is. They know that we outnumber them. That's why there are so many police officers here today, because the people in power are more afraid of us than we will ever be of them. Do not let them silence you. Free Violet Coco! Free Violet Coco! Fireproof Australia uses non-violent direct action in public to sound the alarm. It's about letting people know that we're in a climate emergency and we don't want to disrupt the public, but we have a right, they have a right to know how urgent this situation is. The Harbour Bridge protest was part of a larger Fireproof Australia campaign, drawing attention to the fact that Australia is ill-prepared for the climate change-induced devastation that we're already experiencing. Floods, fires, smoke. The campaign demanded three very reasonable things. One, a sovereign firefighting aircraft fleet. Two, rehoming climate victims, particularly those without homes following the Black Summer bushfires and the Lismore and Northern River floods and also smoke filters in hospitals, schools, aged care facilities and disability services. Fireproof Australia's current campaign is stopping fossil fuel subsidies because we know that if we can divert $22,000 a minute, that's nearly $12 billion a year, away from polluting coal, gas and oil and into sustainable renewable energy future, then that's a fucking good thing. Sorry guys, my throat's really bad today. As the UN Chief Secretary Antonio Guterres said in April last year, climate activists are sometimes depicted as dangerous radicals, but the truly dangerous radicals are the countries increasing the production of fossil fuels, investing in new fossil fuel infrastructure is moral and economic madness. Expect more, don't give up, don't give in, join us. So look us up on Stop FFS.org. Stop for fuck's sake. Well, I'm John Grimes from the Smart Energy Council. I'm here to say that Community Radio, 3CR, what an awesome role you play in getting the truth out to people who need to know at a counterpoint to the mainstream media. Keep up the great work. And now some marching music by Serge Quadrado called Heroes.
earth. We must continue to raise the alarm on the climate and ecological emergency as loudly and as boldly as possible. At the moment I'm spending time in Lismore helping to rebuild the houses that have been destroyed from the catastrophic floods caused by climate breakdown. The last 11 months have been incredibly challenging on myself and my family and my community but ultimately the most important thing that we can be doing is continuing to raise the alarm on the climate and ecological emergency. It is time for courage in, in the face of billions of lives. Yeah. When the judge said that it was uh, not breaching the Section 5 threshold, um, my, my body was awash with relief. Obviously, uh, we need to protect our right to protest. Protest is such an important part of our democracy. And so, um, yeah, obviously justice was served today. I would not change my um, strong stance on the climate and ecological emergency. Uh, I think that the police have been very repressive when it comes to protesters recently. Um, it's very dangerous when police are repressing peaceful protesters, especially in the face of such, uh, such a threat to society as climate breakdown. To, to Dominic, I say that um, he's being incredibly dangerous when it comes to our right to protest and the need for civil resistance in the climate and ecological emergency. Dominic said that he wanted to throw the book at us. Well, we actually quite like reading, so. I, I plan to keep continuing to raise the alarm on the climate and ecological emergency to avert billions of deaths. Prison, prison is a, a really challenging place. Obviously, nobody should be in prison. I don't believe that prisons are um, helpful for any scenario really um, and especially in isolation uh, it's not not helping anybody's mental state it's not helping people to be valuable and contributing members of society it's really very clear once you're in there that prisons are designed to repress the poor and people of color um, and uh, and that is and, and women's prison in particular is full of a lot of mothers that really just need our support um, not to be locked up and demonized the last 18 months have been incredibly challenging, but uh, I've come out definitely a lot stronger and, uh, and ready to continue to raise the alarm on the climate and ecological emergency. Hold the police account for their lies. My name's Eddie Lloyd. I'm one of Violet's uh, lawyers. Um, I just want to say a few things about today. Finally, we've seen some justice for Violet, but let's not forget um, what's happened in the last 12 months for Violet. She was placed on very strict house arrest style bail conditions, locked in her home for most of the day. Uh, she had police coming and checking on her constantly. And then of course she did 13 days of hard custody where she was kept in isolation. And why did this happen? And why are we here today? Because Violet was brave enough to try to raise the alarm of the climate breakdown all around us. No, no, Chris! Not a one more free! Free Julian Assange! Yeah. 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 yeah! So Violet was the victim, the first victim of these fascist laws that the Liberal and the New South Wales Labor Party rammed through in a rush to try to silence people like Violet who are just trying to speak truth to power. And when I talk about truth to power, I'm talking about Violet on the bridge that day exposing the fact that $12,000 a minute is given to fossil fuel operations, $22,000 a minute, billions of dollars a year. 
And not only that, what Violet was doing was expose the joint criminal enterprise between the New South Wales Labor, the New South Wales Liberal National Party and the fossil fuel operators because they give them dirty donations and then the New South Wales Labor and Liberal Party, when in power, they then approve new coal and gas mines and subsidise them billions and billions of dollars. People like to call Violet and other protesters extremists and radical. But I'll tell you what's extreme and radical. And that is not listening to the science. And our politicians today are not listening to the science. And Violet standing up, speaking truth to power, exposing this and speaking of the science was shut down by these laws. It has been a great attack on our democracy and something that everybody should be very, very frightened of and be thinking in just 10 days time when they head to the polls to vote this election. And I wanted to say something about the ambulance fact. And I'm gonna read out to you exactly what fact Violet was sentenced to back in December last year. The fact said that Violet and her co-accused conduct prevented an ambulance responding to an emergency under lights and sirens as it was unable to navigate through the increased heavy traffic. The learned magistrate in the local court who sentenced Violet said, you have halted an ambulance under lights and siren. What about the person in there? What about that person and their family? What do they think of you and your cause? As the judge commented today, that was a false assertion by police. It was a false fact that Violet was sentenced on and it had a lot to do with why she was sentenced to a full-time term of imprisonment, which has thankfully been overturned today. So the New South Wales Police have got a lot of questions that they need to answer. And our politicians have got a lot of questions that they need to answer. It's them that are the radicals. It's them that are the extremists for not listening to the science. And it's them that continue to take dirty donations from fossil fuel industries to then open new coal and gas mines completely against the science. The last thing I want to comment on is something else that the judge picked up on in sentencing of Violet Coco. And that was coming out of some evidence we had of our expert psychologist who diagnosed Violet with having experiencing climate anxiety. Now that is something that a lot of people are experiencing in our communities. I've experienced it coming from the front lines of the Lismore floods getting rescued off my roof and that is how I met Violet. Climate anxiety is a real diagnosed condition and what the psychologist has said is that activism is the response to the heightened level of climate anxiety and distress. The Australian Psychological Society's position is that taking action is a strong antidote to this anxiety. And the last thing that I want to say is that our democracy is under attack. And it was violent today, but it could be you tomorrow. In the words of Martin Niemöller, first they came for the socialist and I didn't speak out because I was not a socialist. 
Then they came for the trade unionist. Then I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. And in that forest, they came for our tree sitters. And I did not speak out because I'm not a tree sitter. Then they came for Violet. And I didn't speak out because I was not a protester. Then they came for B, and there was no one left to speak for me. Our friends and our communities are getting arrested for blue tacking a piece of paper on a statue, for drumming in the street, and friends are getting dragged out of their homes at midnight, hauled down to the police station to face a trespass charge. So in 10 days time, we all must, we must, turn off this fossil fueled power and return the power to the people and the only party that is prepared to overturn these draconian laws is the Greens. So think of Violet on election day but more importantly think about your freedoms that have been hard fought and won, your freedom to speak and your freedom to protest and if they're important to you well this is the election that you make your voice heard. Um, today is a really important day to put democracy back on track. The judge has righted the wrongs of the New South Wales government and its moral hysterical response to peaceful, non-violent acts of civil disobedience. Civil disobedience is recognised as an important part of our democracy. It is responsible for so many important things we take for granted. Our civil rights, our environmental protection, First Nations rights, land rights. And what we have seen is the New South Wales government in lockstep with the Labor opposition introducing moral outrage into the parliament. We've seen police and magistrates respond through this hysterical lens. It's really important that we call this an end and that we get democracy back on track. So right now, the courts have done the right things. Violet, to all of our relief, is now a free woman, but nothing can undo the harm and undemocratic steps this state has taken and inflicted upon Violet Coco. Enough is enough. It's time to take our democracy back. And Dominic Perrottet and Chris Minns need to hear what the court has said today and they need to wind back their intolerant anti-democracy approach to our state. These people are heroes, they are calling out the alarm and we need to listen. Sue Higginson, Greens MP in the New South Wales Parliament and also environmental lawyer and lawyer who's acted for many protesters. My name is Brenda Dovia. I'm a psychologist of long standing. I work with Psychology for Safe Climate, Australian Psychological Society, and I've been working with Violet as well. I do just want to emphasise that the climate crisis is a crisis for everyone. It has disproportionate impacts, particularly on young people, because it's their future that they're looking at. And so when we see and we are seeing increasing rates of anxiety, trauma, distress across the board, it is critical for young people that they see action is being taken. And people like Violet, uh, we need to applaud for their courage.
because it is about future generations. Uh, and I would encourage actually also in the political discourse, in the media discourse, that we actually have a much more sophisticated conversation about what is going on for people's mental health and well-being and what actions do need to be taken to enable a, a better future because that's critical. Well done. Leave well you done. with that. Well Thank done. you. Thanks for listening to the Climate Action Show. Thanks to the NUA for organising the speakers in support of Violet. Rachel Evans, Lil, Nat, Tonique, Bonnie, Deanne Coe and David Shoebridge. Thanks to Violet Coco and Alan Glover and their court supporters, Edie Lloyd and MP Sue Higginson. If you like this show, please phone 3CR. 039419-8377 and even better, subscribe. My name is Vivian Langford. Good night and good luck. This is coal. Don't be afraid. The Don't treasure. be scared. It's coal. It's coal. It's coal. Tune in every Monday at 5pm to hear the Climate Action Radio Show. We're talking about ecological thinning and subsidised longing, but we basically mean the same things, don't we, here? Wherever there are chemical corporations around the world, they're constantly trying to chip away at regulations. Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories, from developments in government and industry to the campaigns and communities that are standing up to them. Earth Matters plays at 11am Sunday and 6.30am Wednesday. Turn your dial to 855am or listen online at 3cr.org.au. While the headlines have subsided, the nuclear power plant is still not under control, with the spent fuel rods removed from only one out of four reactors. 